You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast materials at LockedOnPackers.com. We are nearly through week nine, with one critical exception. The Packers have not yet played the Detroit Lions, or at least as of this recording. I assume, if you're listening to this, it's because the Packers and the Lions have not yet played. It would be a little strange to listen to a preview podcast after the game has already been played, but I suppose you do you. You you, you do whatever you want. Sometimes I like to go back and listen to previews. If for no other reason, then it's fun, because the games inevitably end up looking Entirely different than we imagine them, or at least some of them do. And so, with that in mind, I want to start with what happened on Sunday because that informs how we watch tonight. A lot went on in the NFC, and a lot of it was good for the Packers for a number of reasons. Let's start with Seattle. They lose to Washington. With about a minute to go, Washington scored the go-ahead points, and I thought, Okay, well, Russell Wilson's going to do a Russell Wilson thing, and he's going to go down and win the game, and he didn't. And so now the Seahawks are 5-3. and three. If the Packers win tonight, they're 5-3, and three, and they hold the tiebreaker with Seattle. The Cowboys won an impressive game against the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that we thought was, was perhaps the best team in football a couple weeks ago. They're now 5-3. and three. If the Packers win tonight, they're what? They're 5-3. and three. The Packers already hold the tiebreaker with the Dallas Cowboys, thanks to some Aaron Rodgers heroics. Those are critical pieces. Just because Aaron Rodgers is no longer on the field doesn't mean his effects aren't still being felt in the NFC playoff race. The Packers hold two critical tiebreakers. And one of the reasons it's, it's critical is because the Rams won today. They're 6-2. and two. They're, they're leading the NFC West. And the Eagles won again. They're 101. They're leading the NFC East. So if they win their divisions, as unlikely as that would have seemed at the beginning of the year, especially in the case of the Rams, the Packers, if they don't win the North, and I think we should operate under the presupposition that they will not, just given what we've seen so far and given what we've seen from the Vikings, I don't think we can we can suppose the Packers are going to win the North. From a wild card standpoint, this is now sort of a, not the worst case scenario, but this is the worst case for getting into the playoffs. They hold two critical tiebreakers. Another thing that happened, the Falcons lost. The Packers did not have the tiebreaker with the Atlanta Falcons. They are now four and four. If they continue to struggle, and they have they have a difficult stretch to finish the season. If they continue to struggle, if they continue to lose games, the Packers may not have to worry about them in the playoffs down the stretch. And we've seen nothing 
so far this season, save for one game in week two, you may remember who the Falcons were playing in that game, that would suggest that the Falcons are a dangerous team. Now, also remember the Falcons in that game where, where they, they beat the Packers soundly. Green Bay was missing half its roster and two heinous OPI calls basically robbed the Packers of, of two scores in that game. So that's one of those things where if, if the two teams played today and, and Aaron Rodgers were healthy, I think it would be a different outcome. Now, Aaron Rodgers isn't, and they don't play today. So we don't know what the Falcons are going to look like the rest of the year, but based on what we've seen so far, it's hard to be impressed with with what they've put on the field. So their their loss on Sunday was critical. Because what it does is the Panthers are now a game back of the Saints in the South. But the Packers still play the Panthers. And guess what? The Packers-Panthers game is the first week Aaron Rodgers is eligible to come off IR. In a best-case scenario, he plays in that game. Now, I don't think that's the the most likely scenario. But the Packers control their destiny when it comes to the Panthers. So that's that's three critical outcomes and the Saints won. The Saints beat Tampa Bay, a team that that looks totally lost. Jameis Winston is hurt. We don't know how much longer he's going to be out. That looks like a game Green Bay should win. I, I, I tweeted it out on Sunday. There are there are four games now on the schedule that Green Bay I don't want to say it would be embarrassing to lose, but they should beat Tampa, Cleveland. Baltimore, and Chicago. Those are the four that if they lose, it's really bad for Mike McCarthy and this team. That's eight wins. So they only need to win. They only need to beat the Lions once out of two times to get to nine. And then that leaves, you know, the Minnesota game at home, the Carolina game. I, you know, I don't think the Pittsburgh game should be really on the table. But they could get to 10. It is not out of the question. There is certainly a scenario where Green Bay is playing Minnesota at the end of the year and that game decides the division. Now, we're getting ahead of ourselves because Green Bay still needs to win tonight. But, but what, we, what we found out over the weekend is the NFC is very much still wide open. Philadelphia is clearly the best team. And the Packers are very much still in control of their own destiny. Because they still play the Lions twice. They still play Carolina. They play Minnesota again. These are teams in the NFC they're fighting for playoff position with. They're fighting for a division title with. And there's enough other games on the schedule that are winnable, even with Brett Hundley at quarterback. I expect Brett Hundley to play much better tonight than he has in, in the two weeks past. Particularly better than he, than he played against New Orleans. And if he doesn't, I think it's an indictment of, of this coaching staff as much as anything else. Because I, I see quarterbacks who are less talented play better. I see Josh McCown playing well enough to win. I know he's a veteran. But come on. He's not talented. I see Case Keenum playing well. I know he's a veteran. But he's not talented. Brett Hundley is talented. Physically gifted. Get him ready to play. Put him in a position to win you a football game or at least not lose you a football game. But that was the problem against New Orleans is 
They tried to make him not lose it, and as a result, they couldn't win. We are still doing the Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. To enter, put your name and a review of this podcast on iTunes, put your Twitter handle in that review, and you'll be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. Get access to player grades, snap counts, position ranks, fantasy projections, rankings, tools, charts, NFL draft coverage, Pro Football Focus profiles, stats, all sorts of information that you can use to be better at at Daily Fantasy. I played a little Daily Fantasy over the weekend. Didn't go great for me, but that's football. That's how it works. There's a lot that you can gain, and all you have to do is put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast. I prefer a good review, but I'm not picky. Four stars would be enough. A five would be better. I'd prefer five. I think that's fair. By the time you're listening to this, there may be some more updated injury information, but as of this moment... Demarius Randall is questionable but practiced in full all week. I expect him to play. The the strange thing that happened over the weekend is on Sunday, Kevin King was added to the injury report with a back injury and is listed as questionable. That is a strange development. It is rare that a team would, would so late in the game and without practice add a player to the injury report who is a lock to play. That doesn't mean he won't play. But he's clearly not 100%. Now, we're going to get into this in a little bit, but the Packers do not need the deepest secondary against the Lions. Devon House and Demarius Randall with Josh Hawkins and Lindsey Pipkins and some, and some help from their friends could theoretically be enough. You'd like to see them at some point with their whole secondary on the field. And we haven't really had that opportunity this year. It's either been Devon House or Morgan Burnett, or Kevin King, or Demarius Randall, or you know, someone has been hurt. And if you really want to go all the way back, Quentin Rollins. Now, I, I have always maintained that Quentin Rollins is not a preferred starter to me. He may be to Dom Capers, which probably says more about Dom than it does anything. But the good news is Nick Perry and Morgan Burnett practiced in full. They're not on the injury report anymore. They are going to play, and they're going to be big, big Big factors in this game, and we're going to get to why in a little bit. But their health is critical for Green Bay. It is it is crucial to the success of this defense. If for no other reason than Green Bay needs a marquee pass rusher, which Nick Perry can be, and they need reliability in the back end, which Morgan Burnett can provide. He can play in coverage. He can play in run support, and he is going to have the communications. He's going to make sure this defense is in the right positions. It's pretty clear that without him, there's been some coverage busts, some wonky stuff has happened, and maybe that's because guys are out of position, maybe that's because they're not getting the calls, things are not being communicated in in a way that is, is optimal. So getting Morgan Burnett back on the field should be a huge boost, even beyond the skills and the and the veteran presence that he brings. Now, unfortunately, Ahmad Brooks is going to be out, so they're going to have less depth at pass rusher. We talked about how Vince Beagle fits into this mix. We don't know yet what he's going to be in terms of his role in the rotation. It probably won't be huge starting off, which is fine. He's going to work in. Would be nice to have a couple good plays. Sure. But but that's not what the expectation should be. 
go in, do your job, maybe create a pressure or two in 10, 12 snaps, and let's move forward. That has to be what the expectation is for Vince Beagle. He's not going to come in and fix Green Bay's pass rush. And frankly, he doesn't need fixing. This Lions offensive line could be fixed enough because they have really struggled protecting Matthew Stafford. They didn't against the Steelers for whatever reason. But frankly, I like I like Green Bay's edge rushers when healthy better than Pittsburgh's. TJ Watt's a rookie. Bud Dupree is is athletic, I guess. Never been a fan of his. James Harrison is 100 years old. So that leaves a banged up Stefan Tuitt. It leaves Javon Hargrave, like Cam Hayward. It's not the it's not the most imposing group. Mike Daniels can wreck the interior of the Lions offensive line. Ditto for Kenny Clark. Nick Perry can can give Brian Mahalik, who is the backup left tackle, nightmares. Clay Matthews can be a problem for Ricky Wagner, who has not lived up to the contract Detroit gave him in the offseason. Green Bay can control this game with its front four, with its front five if you include Blake Martinez. It can. Now we'll see if it does. And then on offense, Martellus Bennett is, is likely out for this game. And I'm going to point to to something there a little bit later in the show. I think that matchup is critical with Lance Kendricks and Richard Rodgers in the game. I have a feeling that the tight end is going to play a big role in this game. Lane Taylor also practiced on a limited basis all week. He is questionable. My guess is he will play. But the interior defensive line for Detroit is not anything to write home about. Ashawn Robinson is a solid player. He's a young player, but but pedigreed out of Alabama, one of Nick Saban's large adult sons. God, he looks like he's about 45. If you don't know what Ashawn Robinson looks like, Google him. He looks like he is in his he he has a mortgage payment and and two kids. And maybe he does, but he certainly doesn't look like a like a guy who was drafted in 2016 out of college. He is a he is a grown ass man. But that means getting Lane Taylor back would be a big boost. Justin McCray is not ideal against any NFL team. Mike McCarthy called him one of the MVPs of this team early in the season, and he's right because he's come in on short notice and played meaningful snaps for Green Bay and not been an abomination as as a lot of players would be. Frankly, Kyle Murphy was. Jason Spriggs was. But you'd rather have Lane Taylor, who's been very good for Green Bay this year. And the weird thing is, it's Bears week starting tomorrow. So checked out Locked on Bears. Lauren Cox does a great job with that show. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on it this week or I was on it the last time the Packers played the Bears. Check out Locked on Bears for more Chicago perspective, which, you know, something we rarely need. But this is a critical game for both teams. So so check it out. So the Lions offense has been something of a talking point among Detroit fans because there have been calls for Jim Bob Cooter's job. And I have, I have been making the half joke all season that if his name were James Cotter, no one would be lionizing, no pun intended, Jim Bob Cooter the way that they are. He's got, a, he's got a, a funny name, and so let's talk about what a great job he's doing. Well, Lions are third from the bottom in yards per play. They're 20th on third down, 27th in the red zone, 22nd in offensive DVOA. It's not great. It's a below average offense. This is, a, this is, and I know this is going to be weird for Packers fans. And it's weird because Matthew Stafford is the quarterback. 
and Marvin Jones and Golden Tain are good players, and Amir Abdullah and Theo Riddick are good players. But this is a below-average offense. On a per-play basis, Green Bay's defense is better than the Lions' offense. On on defense-adjusted value over average, DVOA, talk about it all the time. Green Bay's defense is better than Detroit's offense. Now the problem is, situationally, Green Bay's defense is not better. Green Bay is the 24th best team on third downs on defense and the 30th red zone team. And they're closer to 32nd, the Browns, than than 29th. It is a really bad red zone and really bad third down defense. Those are the critical pieces. The good news for Green Bay is Detroit is bad at those things too. One of the one of the most productive performances by yardage against the Steelers in NFL history without a touchdown scored. Five fruitless red zone trips. No touchdowns. I mentioned Greg Robinson is out, which means Brian Mahalik is in. That is Nick Perry Greenlight Special. Nick Perry, when he's been healthy, he has been outstanding this year. He got Tyron Smith a couple times. He got after Taron Armstead. He he truck sticked Teron Armstead. He's going to get after Brian Mahalik, and Green Bay needs him to. And Kenny Galladay is unlikely to play for the Lions, which means fewer shots downfield and fewer diversity packages for the Lions. The big issue for Green Bay defensively is going to be the issue with the running backs. Green Bay 24th defending running backs in the passing game. This is the same issue we talked about with the New Orleans Saints, and it bit Green Bay in the ass in that game. Alvin Kamara was all over the field. Now, the interesting thing is that was on screens. That was on draws. That was on plays like that. That is not the bread and butter of this offense in the same way. And frankly, Alvin Kamara is is a more dynamic and explosive player than Theoretic. And the other thing for Green Bay is Morgan Burnett's return frees up Josh Jones. So when, when Morgan Burnett is in the game, I think you're going to see him more in the box. You may see him in the slot against Theoretic. You're going to see Jones against Theoretic. All the responsibility is not going to fall at the feet of the rookie to cover Riddick or Abdullah or whoever the Lions throw out there. And that is, that is important for Green Bay to have diversity and to have multiple bodies that they can throw at their biggest weakness. I don't think it would be as big a weakness if Morgan Burnett had been healthy all season. Josh Jones being a rookie is is one reason why it's a weakness, but Morgan Burnett's injury is another enormous factor. And so having a, a close to fully healthy defense against what is a below average offense for the Lions at home in prime time in a game you have to have with a bye week, Green Bay's defense should play well in this game. They should be prepared. They should not be surprised for anything they see from Detroit. Jim Bob Cooter is not that smart. He's not that creative. He's a fine coach. But a healthy Green Bay defense with time to prepare should be able to plan for what's coming. Now offensively, this is where things are interesting because the Lions defense has been very good this season after being atrocious last year. Now part of that is because they've been very good creating turnovers. They live a little bit too much on the edge when it comes to turnovers. On a per-play basis, they're not nearly as good. But they are 8th against the pass and 5th against the run. Ziggy Ansah is questionable with a knee injury, but he's been questionable the last few weeks. He's probably going to play in this game, but he will not be 100%. 
hasn't been all year, and he hasn't been productive all year. Bakhtiari and Bulaga for the Packers are back to being healthy. You hope they're back to playing at a top level. Brett Hundley should have time to find receivers. One of the problems in the second half against New Orleans was that the pocket was collapsing and Brett Hundley got a little jumpy. Cameron Jordan played extremely well in the second half. Sheldon Rankins played well. And they got in Brett Hundley's face. This Lions front is not going to be as effective doing that. And so what does Green Bay have for this defense? Because they're probably going to put Darius Slay and Devontae Adams and say, you got him. Quandre Diggs is going to have the opposing receiver on the outside, whether that's Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison, or Jordy Nelson. And Nevin Lawson is going to play in the slot. And so when, when Nelson is in the slot, I think you're going to see a lot of targeting of him on Nevin Lawson, and I think they're going to find ways. Edgar Bennett said as much this week. They're going to have to find ways to get Devontae Adams the ball. He has become the number one receiver on this team. He has been the player who has shown the most chemistry with Brett Hundley to this point. And right now, frankly, he's the most talented receiver on this team. Jordy Nelson is the most skilled He's the craftiest, he's the smartest, he's the most accomplished, he's the greatest, but right now, in this moment, he's not the most talented. Green Bay has to find ways to get Devontae Adams involved. Here is the X factor for me. Detroit is 31st defending tight ends. Martellus Bennett is not going to play in this game. Lance Kendricks will, and I think he's going to be a factor. If you've got DFS lineups... I have some friends that like to play like the they like to play the Monday Thursday only, so it's four teams. Lance Kendricks is your tight end. This is the matchup Green Bay can exploit. Lance Kendricks is a good player. He is a talented, dynamic athlete who, if you get in space, he can create mismatches for your offense. We haven't seen it consistently because they've been insistent on getting Martellus Bennett so much action, and that's fine. But I think this is the game that Lance Kendricks breaks out in. This is also the game I think Brett Hundley breaks out in. I know the Lions have a good defense, but I think the Packers come out with a good plan. They get him some easy throws, some confidence early. And I'm not saying he's going to throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns. He's probably not. But he's going to look a lot better than he has. He's going to play freer. And I think the Packers win. The line as of recording is Detroit minus two. I'm not with that. I think the value is with Green Bay at home. I haven't seen anything from Detroit that suggests to me that they should be a road favorite against, frankly, any team that is moderately successful. Certainly not a team that has a better record. I understand the difference with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Hundley, but when have the Lions looked good? Precisely when? I don't see it. I think Green Bay wins 24-21. 24-20, something like that. I think Aaron Jones finds opportunities. I think Ty Montgomery finds some opportunities. They're not going to have big games, but I think Ty Montgomery Ty Montgomery is going to be a bigger part of this game plan than he has been in weeks past because he is such a mismatch weapon. And I think McCarthy's going to have some stuff up his sleeve for Terrell Austin and the Detroit Lions. We're going to find out, and we're going to talk about it tomorrow. The, the Monday night schedule throws off our, our normal Tuesday-Wednesday schedule, but we'll have some guests this week. Still working on getting that scheduled. And after tomorrow, we're going to break down the Lions, and then and then it's already time to look toward the Bears. The Bears. Another critical NFC North matchup for Green Bay. They need to win these next two games, and if they do, they are in excellent position moving forward. If they don't, yikes. The JS Commenter Twitter handle will be busy. 
Go pack tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow. And as always, stay locked on Packers.